welcome to Unnecessary Angst. <laughs> Our first official wrap-up episode. Oh my god. Who's excited? If you made it mm. this far, Me. aka Paulina, it's so nice to see you. <laughs> my one friend that listens every single week. Hi, Paulina. <laughs> Um, I believe in Christina. I think Christina can make it to the end. That's I'm manifesting fair. it. That's fair. Hi, Christina. <laughs> Though, but like Paulina's like actually listening along to everything we're saying. Like she texted me really? the other day. Aww. I messaged her. Paulina will know this story because we were talking at work like about work stuff. And then I was like, oh, also, by the way, episode five went up yesterday. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to listen to it as soon as I log off. And then she texts me Aww. two hours later and she's like, oh my God, Felix, Why? <laughs> She had the same reaction as me. Yep, exactly. Same reaction. Exactly. Aww, hi, Paulina. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we also have, um, you know how it was funny when we did our intro episode, we joked about having like an FBI agent like listening to our podcasts, mm-hmm. but we have had a consistent number of downloads in Virginia every week. So I. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god. If you're listening from the Pentagon, it's so nice to have you. <laughs> Hi friends. I hope I hope life is okay. I hope that you're happy now that our government is gonna be uh not run by an authoritarian. Yeah, there we go. That's a better way of putting yeah. it. <laughs> it's Hopefully stable. Okay. Oh. I know, thank goodness. The Electoral College voted today, and uh, Joe Biden is officially president, so. Yep. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, man, I can't believe how far we've come. So, we finished our first book, the last episode. We talked about the last couple chapters of The Concealed by Sarah Kleck, and uh, we'll just be doing a, a wrap-up episode today, talking about our final thoughts on the book. And talking about the different characters, our feelings and thoughts on them, and then we'll play we'll play a little game, which will be fun. Um, so I'm really excited for today's episode. <laughs> I but, should have studied. I forgot about the game. Ha ha. <laughs> we'll see how well you do. There's only three questions, so. Oh, okay. You'll okay, either pass or it. fail. It's pretty straightforward. But before we get into the actual discussion of the book, Julia, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a vodka lemon drop mm. with some fizzy water to make it spicy. <laughs> spicy is not the word I would use to describe fizzy water, <laughs> but okay. But it does have that like little spice, that tingle on your tongue when you drink it, you know? <laughs> sure. Whatever you say. And what, what are you drinking? I'm... I'm so excited to hear this. <laughs> Stop making fun of me. I love it. I needed dinner really quickly, so I went to Taco Bell, and I got a Mountain Dew while I was in Taco Bell, and then I was like, oh, I'm filming with Julia, or recording with Julia in, like, 20 minutes, so I just put some vodka and some Midori in my Mountain Dew, and I made a cocktail out of it. I'm so happy about I'm that. Call- You're drinking a lemon drop, I'm drinking a dew drop. That's what I'm calling it. Oh, a dew drop. Wow, that was smooth. That was really smooth, I gotta Thank say. Thank you. Thanks. I try really hard. How's your week going? <laughs> ah, I'm in my last week. I uh, my classes finished last week. I have a bunch of assignments due this week, and then I am done. Friday is my last day. 11:59 p.m. Yes. Gonna hand in my last assignment of the semester. Woo-hoo. 
Amazing. I'm so excited. I know. Yeah. Otherwise, like, not much. My, <laughs> I have, oh, we started making Christmas cookies. We got the tree up. Um, that was exciting. I forgot about that. Uh, but otherwise, my head has had, well, I would like to say it has been in a book, but it has more been at my computer. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That was my week. How's, how's your week? Um, my week's busy. It's my last work week, um, before I go out for two weeks for winter break. So, um, I'm just trying to get all of my stuff packed up because I'm moving down to California on Saturday in like five days. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. (laughs) For you. I'm, I'm like generally excited, but like for you specifically. I'm really excited for you to design my bedroom. I'm just excited that you're like, you are adulting so hard. I'm back in my parents' house in college again. And you're out here like moving to a different state, getting a fancy job with a fancy house. My mom's convinced that she'll leave me in California after two weeks and I'll promptly die because I'll have forgotten how to feed myself. Aww. So she has way less That's faith in me than you thing do. To worry about. I was like, Mom, I made dinner this weekend. And she's like, Yeah, but I don't think you can feed yourself every day. And I was like, But. Well, maybe, maybe this is time for like one of those meal kits. Like what I had before I. No, moved like. Home. Like. Like the fancy meal, like you had like the delivered meal kits. I'm talking about the ones that you like put together no, and cook yourself. I did HelloFresh too, but the problem with like those kinds of meal kits is they don't really work for meal prep. They're meant to feed oh. two people in a meal at one point in time that you like cook it and then eat all of the food in that meal. And it doesn't mm. always uh, reheat well the next day. But I did it yeah. for a couple of months, and it was just a pain. Because it's also used so many different, like, pots and pans and ingredients and little different things that if you try to meal prep on a Sunday, three meals, so you have six lunches, it's a lot Doesn't of cooking work. and a lot of dishes that I'm not excited to do. So so whoever can invent a meal kit that is easy to meal prep and you actually, like, can cook it and stuff, while not having to cook it the night of, will be a millionaire. Yeah, just design a meal kit that's not for single people, please. Oh, yeah, I I, I support this. <laughs> we need it in our lives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, things are, things are good. I'm excited to move. I'm excited to wrap up work and be done with this crazy project that I've been working on <laughs> that I can't talk about for the last couple of months and uh, excited for 2021 to come across uh, the horizon soon. It better be good. I'm knocking on wood when I say that because I feel like I'm going to jinx it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. Um, all right, let's get into it. So I want to start with you for our general thoughts of the book. So can you walk me mostly, but the listeners too, through your sort of original thoughts before you started the book and your final thoughts now that you've finished it and how you feel about the book? Well, I think it's hard to remember. I should have listened back to what I first said when we started this, but I'm pretty sure I didn't have a lot of thoughts, honestly, when I first started this. And I like, I was just reading it because like you recommended it, like when you recommend a book, I'm probably going to read it or, like, say that I'm going to read it and then put it yeah, on my Yeah, that second one is more time. likely. <laughs> um, but, like, I never question it 
I will say that. Like, if you say it, I probably will, like, at least add it to my list. And that was, like, this book. Like, I was, like, I don't really know a lot about it. I know that has something to do with, like, Arthur and Arthurian legends. And, like, I'm assuming Merlin is a big part of this. Because I think you emphasized Merlin a couple times. Just Merlin. (laughs) (laughs) Great original thought. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um... I, yeah, that's like literally all I remember me talking about. You were just really, because I've been editing all of these, so like now I remember everything we said intimately, Um, but you were really excited for adventure. You were like, I'm just excited for the adventure to start and for us to get started on the podcast and woohoo. And I will say, breaking in my final thoughts or final considerations, there was not that much adventure. <laughs> like, most of it was it felt like it was taking forever to just set the scene. And, like, you get it. Like, you get the characters, you get the scene. Like, let's get into it, right? But, like, this entire book up until the last, like, three chapters, it was just like, okay, she goes to Oxford. There's this guy who's really hot and has, like, problems staring at her. <laughs> And, like, there's a creepy dude who we thought was, like, okay for a long time, and then it turned out he was creepy. And, like, that's it. You know? I don't know. Well, uh, there's but, the creepy Dumnati. Like, you get Morgana. But yeah, it all happens last at the chapter. very last couple chapters. <laughs> I know. Like, if you had asked me all of this before, like, the very last three chapters, I probably would have been, like, it's okay. Like, would I read on? Yeah. But... Do I think there's a lot going on? No. Because I think the problem, too, is, like, she's trying to set it up a bit like a mystery. And it just doesn't Mm -hmm. work as a mystery story. Because, like, you know the general outline of the Arthurian legends. So, like, you kind of know some things already. So it just doesn't feel like it's a good mystery. It feels very much to me like it's the first act in a three-act play. Right? Like, yeah. This book is all set up, and then your action and climax is going to happen between books two and probably early three, and then everything will be resolved in book three. But do I want that in a YA book? (laughs) Like, maybe Shakespeare, okay? (laughs) I mean, you can at least... you kind of get that in a lot of YA books that's like half of the dystopian novels are all set up that way right that you have your Mm. first that's why they're all set up as trilogies but you typically get way more action in the first book than we got here exactly because you get more situations where there are isolated things that a book can be centered around right so if you think like Hunger Games well each book has its own iteration of the Hunger Games so it's like a very clear like how each book sort of can have its start, climax, finish. Divergent, it's sort of very clear as well, like, what the problem they're trying to solve in book one is and how that opens them up to the rest of the world. Maze Runner probably too, though I haven't read those books. So, like, the action books for dystopian futures are all very set up that way, you know? But... Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that that's fair, that this book doesn't do standalone very well, and most YA starter novels really should stand alone on their own two feet. But it does make me excited for book two. Oh, yeah, I'm 100%. Like, after the last, like, meeting, 
Like, it almost makes me wonder if it would have been more interesting to have Morgana have, like, a little, I don't know, some sort of entry at the beginning, even if it was just, like, her being, like, a figure of a nightmare or something that she was seeing or something. I don't know. Like, just to bring, to present her, her to the audience and be like, she is going to come. She is going to spice things up. And then when she, like, comes in, you're like, oh, like, there she is now, you know? To give a kind of foreshadowing. I guess that's the thing, too, is, like, she does these weird foreshadowing things mostly focused. And, like, that's such a big thing in YA books to have, like, these crazy foreshadowings. And that's fine, but it's like she focuses on water as the foreshadowing, as like yeah. these hints of who she actually is. And I'm like, it just feels raw. It's so like, you know what it means. Right. No, that's so true. I think in general, like one of the, and I've complained about this before, so this is not new information, but I tend to have a problem with first person limited narration because you're not able to get the full picture of the entire world that's going on around you and then so many things are like either left to the last minute to get introduced whereas like if we were thinking about this like a tv show right even if we're not um including any of the plot points from book two you could flash back to Jared being in the plane crash and Morgana somehow being responsible for killing his family. Exactly, yeah. And for killing Colin and get her introduced, or killing Colin's family, not killing Colin, sorry. (laughs) For killing Colin's family. And then, like, have that plot point of, like, her being the driving force behind them being orphaned. Then you could watch them grow up a little bit with Karen, help humanize Professor Mayflower a little bit more as she's raising these two young boys who just lost their families. Like, Mm -hmm. help you to empathize a little bit more with what's going on with the Order and not necessarily empathize with Morgana. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's nothing in this book that leads you to not empathize with Morgana a little bit, even though she's pure evil. And just, like goes around with a posse of like souls that all come from rapists and murderers so not my cup of tea of who i'd want to hang out with but it would have been (laughs) nice i agree to have a little bit more introduction to our actual supposed villain big foe Mm -hmm. but but I what I, I really appreciated the characters, I will say that, except for Felix, who I'm still so mad about. I can't believe I got that wrong. <laughs> I'm mad at myself. <laughs> I get, like, he could have been a good guy, you know, why not? But what I appreciate it, like, with Jared, especially, is, like, he seems like such an un character. Like, I got that completely wrong at the beginning, I know. But, like, even looking back at it, like, in my mind, he's still so unrolling, but I like that about it. It's not, like, a cookie-cutter, like wise merlin like descendant you know he's just like a bumbling kid in college who has a lot of issues like he really needs to work out but it's okay i mean he's a little bit more put together than the average bumbling idiot in college but true (laughs) i mean he does go to oxford like he has a master's degree he's for the most part like a pretty good gentleman except for the weird thing about like him not being able to watch Colin and Evelyn fight because he doesn't want to see her. That's weird. But, like, other than that, he's pretty 
respectful. He's kind of a horn dog when he gets his first girlfriend, but like, you know. Yep. <laughs> that's to be expected. I think otherwise he's relatively as wise as you would expect a 21-year-old boy in college to be. A repressed 21-year-old boy. True. True. <laughs> oh gosh. You know, I think for me like these books it's interesting because I remember loving this book so much in college. And one of the things I was nervous about on rereading was if I was going to love Jared as much as I did when I first read it. And I surprisingly don't love him as much as... Oh my god. I know. I like Colin. Like, I would 100% read a spinoff with Colin. He's a great character. He is a great character, but I think there is something about, you know, I mean, me, my sophomore year of college (laughs) that I was just really into like the brooding sad boy who wanted to just make the girl of his affections his entire world versus like the comedic relief who is more like muscly and um Mm. more of Colin's not really a meathead but like kind of a meathead you know he is Um, he is but like he's a smart one He's just, he's very much like, we've talked about this too, that it's like, Jared is very much like Edward from Twilight, and Colin is very much like Emmett, and in high, or in college and in high school, I 100% would have gone more with the Edward type, and now as I'm starting to, like, age (laughs) and get over that, like, brooding vibe, because that's like, I don't have the emotional energy to deal with that all the time, um, I'm leaning more towards, like, the funny guy, like, the comedic relief who just wants to, like, have a good time and, like, hang out, but will still be there to, like, support you and love you if you need that. So, I'm really bummed that I don't, I still love Jared, like, don't get me wrong, I love him as a character, but I'm not as interested in him and interested by him as I was when I first read the book series, and I was more nitpicky, I think, about the way he was acting in this reread than I was when I first read the book series. Ugh, which makes me sad. Also, Evelyn is so dumb. Oh, oh my god, yeah. But I was gonna say, even not Jared, like, it's that thing, I think it's been brought up a bunch of times, where, like, YA, especially, it's a thing to be, like, you're the one that's going to change this, like, brooding, like, guy who's off-limits, right? Like, you're the special one. And, like, the reality is, and we're, like, learning this as we grow up, is, like, it's not like that. And, like, we don't want that. We don't want, like, someone to change like, we want to get to know someone for who they are, right? right? And, like, like they should change for us, but, like, we don't want to be, like, have that front, and, like, it's just, it's a mess. Well, and it's it's totally okay to change for one another in, like, a healthy and loving relationship, because mm-hmm. you'll change over yeah. time, as long as you're making each other better, Stronger. and you didn't start in a toxic place. Mm-hmm. The problem with exactly. YA books like this is... It paints this well, but like I actually do think that they make each other stronger and that their relationship's pretty strong and like they, he's less broody once they actually start dating. Like that is true. Mm-hmm. She's less sad all the time and depressed once they actually start dating. Like that is also true. They they are good together, but it paints the unrealistic expectation that like you can be the one to go fix that broody, sad boy over there in the corner. And when in reality, it's like, no, just because a guy over there is, like, brooding and sad and seems interesting does not mean you are magically his soulmate. 
little miss 18 year old like you (laughs) are not going to fix him you're just gonna get hurt and it sets up an unrealistic expectation of like how girls should behave in relationships with boys who are not emotionally mature enough to be in relationships with them yet exactly yeah (laughs) so many takeaways from this book that have nothing to do with the actual couple (laughs) but we still like reading them we do just know ourselves better now than we used to (laughs) we do we do i spent so many years trying to change brooding boys and i'm so glad i'm not doing that anymore I'm just alone. It's better. <laughs> okay. <Yes>. Okay. <laughs> I also, the other thing I would say upon my reread is I didn't realize how much some of the, like, foreshadowing and the hints, like, hit you over the head in this book. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, I felt <laughs> like as I was reading it again, it was like they were putting together puzzle pieces for a five-year-old. <laughs> no. I was like, it's so obvious what's going to happen, which I don't, I have no way of knowing if I was able to figure all that stuff out when I was in college, but upon reread, like, there's not a lot of mystery to, like, rediscover, Um, Mm. which when you reread books like Harry Potter, for example, even though they're for children, when you reread them, you'll see so many, like, clever little things and hints and pieces of Mm -hmm. foreshadowing that you never would have picked up on in the first place, and they're almost like little surprises, and you will continue to discover those no matter how many times you read the books. They're very multidimensional in that way. This book is not. <laughs> well, still love it, but that's not, I mean, it's not trying to serve that purpose, but it just doesn't, no. it doesn't hold up in terms of, like, the mystery and the excitement of solving the mystery on reread. I think, honestly, even, like, most YA books, I think, struggle with it, which is fine. Like, it's YA, what do we want? But, like, the only series that comes to mind that does it really well, and not the TV or movie series, whatever it was, but the book series was Divergent. Like, Mm. I feel like Veronica Roth did a really good job of, like, dropping hints. Like, the whole system is rigged. Like, it's not real. They're in this, like, simulation, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry if anyone hasn't read Divergent. (laughs) Well, it's not really um, a simulation. Exactly. Yeah, it's a s- experiment, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, but, like, she dropped good hints that when you go back and reread it afterwards, you're like, oh, like, now that makes sense to me. Yeah. That's the only series, though, I think I've ever read of YA that I think does it well. <laughs> I think Other it's hard. It's Potter. YA. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? It's not this, like, incredible work of fiction. You know, I mean, they are incredible works of fiction, not to put them down, but that's not their focus. No, that's definitely not their focus. They're there really for character development. Like, that's the whole point is you're there to read about interesting characters that as teens you feel you can relate to or can relate to people around you. Yep. So. Okay, well, I think that's good general (laughs) overview of the book. Overall, I think we both really enjoyed reading this book. It was a great first book to, like, kick us off. And then hopefully um, we'll actually get more podcast listeners with our next book. (laughs) Which will be something that people have heard of in the world. And not this random German translated book. Um, So stay tuned for our next episode where we talk about the next book that we're reading. Um, But... 
before we get there. Next, we're going to talk about the different characters and just kind of give like our thoughts and feelings about each character and as we go. Um, I thought it'd be fun for us to sort them into Hogwarts houses based now that we have all of the information about them from this first book. What Hogwarts house do we think each character fits into? This is hard. This is going to be so hard. I'm going to I struggle. <laughs> I, it's going to be really challenging. But I think it'll make for interesting conversation. So, <laughs> first up, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jared. <laughs> you gotta go first. I have no idea what I would do with him. Okay, well, so as I was kind of mentioning earlier, I think a lot of this book, Jared's a little broody. But I think he also is trying to really understand, you know, the things in the world around him. He's, for the most part, very curious, uh, very questioning, is always kind of challenging the beliefs that people are trying to foist upon him, um, and really thinking about what he truly believes, how he can bring his own feelings and be sort of, like, empathetic into, into the situations going on around him. So I struggle with sorting him because I think there are a couple of different houses that he could be in. Like, I think in some ways he's very rash in his decision making, um, especially when it comes to, like, saving Evelyn. Like, he just goes in guns blazing without, like, a thought in the world. And that's very Gryffindor to me. But I also think that for the most part, he is really trying to consider every situation every sort of every person's like mood and energy around him to try to like make the best possible outcome to make the people that he loves feel the most comfortable and to kind of please as many people as possible I think Jared's a people pleaser you may not always see that (laughs) because sometimes the person that he's the people he wants to please are at odds with one another so he'll pick one person to please over another but I think for the most part he's kind of a people pleaser and so I kind of think he's a Hufflepuff Okay. I think I could agree with that. I, like, he's definitely not Slytherin to me. I'm, like, working process of elimination. He's definitely not Slytherin. He's definitely not a Ravenclaw in my mind. Um, And I think I'm at the same point as you. Like, it's either Gryffindor or Hufflepuff. And I think that you're right. Like, he just doesn't have enough, like, gut or grit for me to, like, classify him as a Gryffindor. (laughs) No. Um, But he is loyal. Like, he's loyal to Colin he's loyal to like probably all of his people faction members whatever you want to call that he's loyal to Evelyn he's loyal to Evelyn yeah he seems good at heart um and makes a good Hufflepuff he made the ultimate sacrifice right at the end yes to give himself up even though that wasn't I mean that's a very Harry Potter thing to do but like it wasn't the smart choice but it also felt that was out of loyalty right that's what i'm saying it felt more hufflepuff than than gryffindor like he did it to protect like one specific person with like the love for that one specific person rather than trying to be a hero because i don't really think he cared Mm -hmm. about heroism in any (laughs) sense of the word okay so Jared is a. I'm gonna write these down as we go so I can keep track of how we <laughs> sort of them. Okay, next up, Colin, and you get to go first because he's your favorite oh character. <laughs> I mean, I think that like the descendant of Arthur is a Gryffindor, but like he is like 
I mean, I think he's, it's that same thing. Like, he's kind of Hufflepuff, kind of Gryffindor. But, like, I think he leans more towards Gryffindor in that, like, he clearly is very confident. He's, <laughs> I, I could just see him, like, just be like, let's go into battle. Like, it's like fighting with Evelyn. Like, he is, yeah, being loyal, like, by training her. But, like, you get to see also how skilled he is at fighting in that moment, which, yeah, it just seems very Gryffindor to me. Yeah. I also think that he's not necessarily, I don't want to say that he's, like, boastful of himself, but I think he's mm. boastful in general. Like, he'll hype his friends up and, like, hype the people around him up and just, like, create chaos that does not need to be <laughs> created just because he'll find it funny. And, like, his his penchant for, like, comedic relief is very much like the Weasley twins, I think. That, that's, like, he wants, that's a good comparison. Yeah, he wants that little bit of extra mayhem just for fun. Yeah. And he'll, like, tease the people around him. And I think... Most Hufflepuffs are a little too sweet to do that, but mm-hmm. not Colin. That's his Gryffindor coming out, that he'll be a little, like, aggressive <laughs> in his teasing yeah. of people. I agree with that. Okay, so we got a Hufflepuff, we got a Gryffindor. Next, Colin's girlfriend, Sally. I'm on the fence with Sally because I feel like, I don't know. I guess I would say that she's a Hufflepuff, but it's only because we really only see her in the context of Evelyn and, like, being Mm -hmm. a good friend to Evelyn. So, like, maybe she has a whole other side to her. Maybe she's, like, really smart. I mean, you have to be smart-skinned to the school, right? Um, So maybe she's actually very, very bookish. We just don't know because we don't see that. And we only see her as being this, like, very good friend to Evelyn. But so from that, I would say she's a Hufflepuff. So, I am going to say Ravenclaw. And (laughs) the reason for that is because I think Sally beats to her own drum. Um, Mm -hmm. And for better or worse, like, Hufflepuffs are still kind of packish. Um, Like, they kind of group together, support each other. They're very loyal, fair, you know, doing everything Mm. for the sake of their friend groups. But Sally's kind of just, like, off in her own world doing her own thing. You know, she's got that, like, emo rock hairstyle with, like, funky hair colors. She is not afraid to, like, say exactly what she's thinking and be herself. I think she's really witty, um, too, and, like, the commentary that she gives to Evelyn, trying to give Evelyn those, like, little warnings here and there about Felix, but not, like, outwardly pulling her one direction or the other to really like influence her um Mm -hmm. which feels kind of Ravenclaw that she's like she's just clued in enough to like know exactly what's going on with everything but is still kind of like off in her own world and that's not going to be her priority even though she cares about Evelyn and wants to be her friend like how Felix is engaging with Evelyn is not her day-to-day priority and like making sure that Evelyn's protected from that that's true yeah um very true i also think that she in general um just i don't know there's something about a ravenclaw who kind of like keeps to themselves but is i think the problem with sorting people into ravenclaw is most people assume ravenclaws are very like introverted (laughs) 
in general. Because, <laughs> like, that's the only... Yeah, Slytherin and Ravenclaw are the only houses where, like, introverted people typically get captured. Um, and she's definitely not a Slytherin. And she's not super introverted because she's, like, kind of outgoing and, like, goes after what she wants with Colin. But... I think she goes after what she wants, but is still kind of, like, if she wouldn't have gotten Colin and wouldn't have, you know, landed that particular guy, she would have just, like, moved on to the next thing. Because, like, again, her sphere of influence is not, like, she's kind of off in her own world doing her own thing. She would have, like, made a move for it, and if it didn't work, she'd be like, okay, all right, what's next? And just kind of, like, <laughs> floated off to do something else. That's a good point. So I'm going to go with Ravenclaw. What's the consensus? I'm fine with Ravenclaw for her. That okay. Is, I did Hufflepuff because I just didn't know where else she would belong. But you make some really good points. I have to argue for my house because we're underrepresented <laughs> in literally everything. You gave a whole speech about that. I was like, I'm just going to let her go. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Karen Mayflower. I don't know with Karen. Do you have any ideas? I think she's Don't. a Gryffindor. Okay. I was going to say, if you stay Slytherin, I'm kicking you. leaving the house. <laughs> no, I think she's a Gryffindor. I don't think... I don't think she's nice enough to be a Hufflepuff. Otherwise, I would actually oh, say Hufflepuff. No way. No way. But, okay, here's my rationale. Okay. <laughs> so, she is operating off of what she believes to be correct information, right? She thinks that Evelyn is going to be the reason that Jared is going to die. And so she's making decisions, reckless decisions, to make sure that she can protect her family and someone that she loves um, and feels honor-bound to serve and protect. Um, but she's not really thinking through the consequences of the decisions that she's making, and she's not really thinking through how that may hurt people along the way and Mm. I feel like that recklessness is a bad trait of Gryffindors sometimes like you they may want to be the heroes but they may think they're being the heroes in their own mind and be actually doing more harm than good and I think this is one of the situations where you have someone who like truly is gonna stand behind their convictions and fully believes that they're the hero and they're doing the thing to protect the hero's continued journey and life in the form of like protecting jared from evil but she makes some very bad decisions along the way to realize that path um i don't think in any way she's ambitious or power hungry i don't think she's very cunning either because she could have hid a lot of this stuff so much better than she actually did so she's definitely not a slytherin but i think the way that she acted in terms of that like mad lust for her particular path of not necessarily power but like her particular path forward that she was convinced is right is where you see that divulgence between Gryffindor and Slytherin based on the motivations behind why they're doing the thing that they're doing that is my speech what are your thoughts (laughs) I agree (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking back to also when we first met her and how she just like stormed out when she found out who Evelyn was like, that was a very un-Slytherin thing, as you said. Like, she's not good at hiding anything about no. it. Um, I don't think she's smart enough to be in Ravenclaw. Like, 
she could, I think I she's smart. Yeah, but I don't think that she would fit in a Ravenclaw at all. Um, I feel like she doesn't belong in any of the houses, if I'm honest. Like, she doesn't belong in Hogwarts. She's a squib. But, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, but, but, I mean, I do think that her... If her motivations had been better acted upon, I could completely empathize with her motivations. Like, she didn't have accurate mm-hmm. information. She doesn't really know what she's talking about. And she just, like, blind went into the direction that she thought was right based on everything she'd learned in her entire life. And she's wrong and, like, can't fully recognize that she's wrong because she's also stubborn. Yeah. Right? Pig-headedness, another trait of Gryffindor House. I'm sorry to all of yeah, you Gryffindor, Gryffindor listeners. Sorry, everyone. It's <laughs> what happens when you put a Ravenclaw and a Slytherin on a podcast together. <laughs> okay, oh. next we're going kind of deep cut here. Um, I don't know that we have enough information to fully make this assessment, but we're going to try. Enid, who's a member of the... The council. Hmm. I would like to get to know Enid more, but my initial thoughts would be, like, Ravenclaw. Enid just comes, like, I don't know. There's something very, like, smart about Enid. I I mean, that's my initial thought. Do you have any thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Why is that the only thing you associate with Ravenclaw? They seem smart, so they can be in the house with the smart because people. Because you're smart. Like, I base it off of you. <laughs> you are Ravenclaw to me. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, I... She's going to be my first Slytherin. Oh, okay. I'm um, okay with that. What's well, funny that we're putting putting her in each other's house. I know. <laughs> we also don't know her that well. Well, okay. So, here are my thoughts. <laughs> Because I have a speech for everyone, apparently, today. Um, So I think that she, to get to where she is in this, like, council, um, she had to have had, first off, like, I mean, I know I'm extrapolating, but she had to have some level of ambition to, like, climb up to the inner, inner ranks of this organization. Mm -hmm. And to do so at her age with, like, a young daughter seems like she did something along the way to act on her ambition i'm not saying anything nefarious but like she clearly had ambitions and acted on her ambitions to get to a place where she could have a leadership role and like really drive decision making right and so she's gotten Mm -hmm. to that point she's also brought her daughter in to this entire world even though her daughter's little and is getting her into combat training at like 11 um with colin so she can start prepping to like be involved in the order and like be active and that like dedication to sort of that like familial loyalty is also very slytherin to me and like making sure that your children follow in your footsteps very slytherin. yeah i could see that i guess my thing would be like it's more the preparedness to me like she's prepared for everything that and like very like calm and collected when she's talking to Evelyn and just has this like feeling of and this is just my initial thoughts like this feeling of wisdom to her like she could be this figure that Evelyn can go to for advice later on which like I don't know that Slytherin would necessarily always do that I feel like Slytherins tend to be a little bit more self you know it's more about how they're going to benefit from that versus 
somebody who's willing to give that information to Evelyn right away. Um, in which case, like, Karen Mayflower is more of a Slytherin, I guess, to me in that sense. <laughs> um, True. <laughs> I don't know. And I also, I have this interference, too, where, like, these, there was a German author growing up that I read named Enid Blyton, who wrote these really incredible mystery novels that were, like, really, really good and, like, actual mystery novels. Okay. So, in my mind, like, she's, like, the same as, like, Enid. Like, <laughs> I would read these books and, like, it was a whole adventure that you had to solve. Yeah. Um, but that that's my take. Okay, that's fair. I can get on board with Ravenclaw if we're talking about, like, the sharing of the knowledge and making sure that Evelyn has all the knowledge that she needs to really make appropriate decisions and, and think about everything going on. Um, I can get on board with Ravenclaw there. You have a good house so far. <laughs> you don't have a house. You're alone. <laughs> I'm pushing everyone out of my house. I, I tried to give you a good one, and you're just like, no. Because <laughs> you realize you're going to have some not great characters in your house, right? I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, Professor Martin. Oh, gosh. I don't know. He seems, I don't know. He could almost be like a Slytherin. Like, I don't, I don't feel like we know him that well. I could say Slytherin, because I think... He's similar to Enid, and, like, he wants to make sure that he's welcoming, to the most part, welcoming Evelyn, like, getting her looped in. But there's a coolness to him. Mm-hmm. That, exactly. Whereas she has warmth. And, yeah. um, you know, I also think that he's a really good-looking guy, and he knows that all of his students are probably really into him, and he could probably, again, not for nefarious purposes, but just, like, use that advantageously, and would, Mm -hmm. even if he doesn't act on it, would consider using that advantageously, where that thought wouldn't cross the mind of a Ravenclaw. Yeah. But I think it would cross his mind. I, I agree. Okay. So, um, so far, we have a member, we have members of the High Council in every house. Yeah. Well, they're all covered. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Amazing. Okay, um, Madison. Oh, God. That was such a tragic character. I was waiting for her comeback. Like, come on, where's her comeback? She was a throwaway character. I think that she's very Slytherin. Like, she acts on her own purposes. She has her own agenda. Like, she's (laughs) not a great character. Um, She wants things for herself. She's going to do whatever she needs to do to get that, you know? I want to give her her a little bit of, like, Hufflepuff cred because she's so loyal to Jared. But you're right that, like, that loyalty is not stemming from an honest place. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's loyalty because she wants to date him. Something. Which is, like, yeah. not pure. And Hufflepuffs are pure. Okay, Madison's a Slytherin. <laughs> Next. Morgana. Okay, I'm going to make the case that Morgana is Ravenclaw. Hear me out. <laughs> I think that she is clearly a smart 
character. I mean, she's like a she's like a real to me a real Slytherin Ravenclaw cross. Like if you could have someone in both houses, because she has both of those traits. Like she is equally smart as she is cunning. Like she knows how to use her smarts. She knows how to use people. She knows how to like get around the world, like literally, <laughs> um, and how to like turn people around on each other. And it's not she's it's like I don't know. She is ambitious, but not ambitious enough for me to be, like, she wants to keep climbing. Like, she already has an end point in sight, and, like, that's it. And, like, what's she going to do after that? You know? World domination, I feel like, Julia. I guess so. <laughs> Duh. Also, she doesn't have her end goal. Like, we think we know her end goal, but we don't yet. Um, that is true. Because she doesn't have what she wants. What she wants is Avalon. Jared's not going to be able to get her to Avalon. Mm-hmm. So she has a plan. And, like, I think... I ugh, This is the hard part between, again, our two houses and why I think I have so many Slytherin friends. Because there's a very fine line between the thirst for knowledge that you get in Ravenclaw and the abuse of knowledge that you get from villains in Slytherin. Yeah. But that's why I still have to argue that she's a Slytherin because I don't think... I'm trying not to let her, I know, I know, but, like, (laughs) I don't think... So, like, if we think about Ravenclaw villains that we've had, right, there aren't... I mean, there are some. But not a huge amount of them. So if we think about, like, the, um, I mean, I don't really count Lockhart because he's just an idiot. Like, he sought after (laughs) fame through the guise of knowledge and, like, uh, no. Um, but Quirrell, I think, is a really great example. He just wanted knowledge. He sought and sought and sought after knowledge until he got into a place where he wanted to have more knowledge than anyone else and tapped into something that was a very bad place for him to go and then couldn't escape from it. Um, But it wasn't that like he had his own ambitions for world domination or power or destroying people, whatever it is that Voldemort really wants to do, or for immortality, whatever it is. He just wanted the knowledge of you know all of these different magical things Mm -hmm. and so chased after them whereas i think then you have voldemort and he wants to gain knowledge of dark things and then abuse that knowledge so people can't defeat him and morgana like she's built this army of damned souls (laughs) so that she can't be touched And that she will always hold dominion over anyone that tries to oppose her. And she plays them against each other. Which is very cunning. It's extremely smart what she does. And she's like a very smart person. But she's playing people against each other for sport. And I don't think a Ravenclaw would do that. (laughs) We're a little bit more fanciful with our quest for knowledge. Yeah. Sorry. I know, I know. I knew it was a losing battle. <laughs> um, I will say, I don't think Felix, who's our next character, is a Slytherin. Oh, tell me. Because I was going to put him in Slytherin. I think I'm debating if I think he is. I think he's a Gryffindor, honestly. I think mm. he's a bad Gryffindor. 
I always love a bad Gryffindor. I mean, <laughs> clearly I don't like Gryffindor because I keep sorting villains into <laughs> Gryffindor. Hey, Colin is in Gryffindor. He's not That's a villain. That's true. He balances it all out. But yeah. so I don't think I don't think Felix has an ambition for power. I don't think he lusts after power. I don't really think he has a lot of ambition in general. I don't think he's very smart in general no, either because like he didn't approach the whole situation with evelyn well he didn't think through any of the things that he was doing he would just kind of like on a whim be like do you want to go out on a date do you want to do this and like wasn't able to pick up or read on any of what she was throwing back like he wasn't manipulative he wasn't calculating with any interaction with sally or with evelyn he was very like again pig-headed brash just like well this is what i want and like screw you sally if you don't agree and like you're always causing problems all the blah. he was just like complaining about things all the time and wanted to get into pissing contests with like the guys that had a lot of money to show that he had more character than the guys that had a lot of money and like none of this to me screams the calculating nature of a slytherin <laughs> like He's outlandish and brash and loud and kind of all over the place. And if he could just be a little bit more focused in, he could use all of that chaotic energy for potentially good. But he just didn't know how to contain all of his motions and it was all kind of going all over the place. And he didn't really have that same sense of like loyalty and friendship that like a Hufflepuff would have that would ground him to, Mm. you know not assault one of his friends and he's too dumb to be a ravenclaw yeah oh a hundred percent he doesn't belong in ravenclaw or hufflepuff my reasoning for slytherin initially i think that um, you're right with gryffindor um my reasoning for slytherin very initially was that he and it's that again like a shared house quality of like perseverance that gryffindor and slytherin have where they're both persevering towards this like big goal which in this case was like unfortunately Evelyn. Um, and he was kind of at times, I feel like almost, I hate saying this, but like conditioning her to like get close to her and eventually get to where huh, their relationship ended. Right. Um, and that's a very Slytherin thing to me, but I think you're right. Overall, he had a lot more like chaos where he could have been much more subdued. Well, and I don't, I like, if I thought that he consciously was gaslighting Evelyn and had those, like, calculate again, that, like, calculation mm-hmm. behind the manipulation that he was applying, I would agree that it would probably lean more towards Slytherin. But I see his gaslighting and his just, in general, crappy behavior towards Evelyn yep. more like whenever Ron was pissy with Hermione and was trying to convince her to get on his side and he was being an asshole like I love Ron Weasley but he was an asshole through a lot of yeah. that book and I think Felix is a good example of when you have a character like Ron that goes horribly horribly wrong and doesn't have a good moral backbone yeah because you're just as much of an asshole as Ron yeah <laughs> But Ron is redeemable. Felix he is, is not redeemable. Well, and Ron gets better, and like he clearly has that yeah. loyalty and that grounding, right, for the for their friendship. 
that I don't, Felix never really developed that with Evelyn because Evelyn didn't care. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay, so we've got two villains in Gryffindor, two villains in Slytherin. <laughs> Great. No Hufflepuffs, no Ravenclaws. Um, okay. Ruth. Okay. I think that Ruth is a Hufflepuff because yes. I feel like she's just such a good character. Like, I don't think she's going to turn bad. Like, I don't want this to turn into a Felix situation where I'm disappointed in her. But, like, it's also this whole, like, m- her mother's legacy that she's working towards. Like, she clearly cares about her mother and what her mother was learning. Like, <laughs> I love that we we meet her in her apartment or whatever for the first time. It seems yeah. like she's like, oh, yeah, my mother was this crazy lady who, like, learned all this stuff about Arthurian legends, etc. But then she's like, spews all of that information, too. Like, she clearly cares about it just as much. Yeah. Um, and she's so good to Evelyn, like, so far. She hasn't used the information that Evelyn has given her to her advantage. Um, who knows? Maybe in book two she will turn against Evelyn, and then I will be like, oh, she's a Slytherin, because <laughs> we would not have seen that coming from a mile away. <laughs> Well, but, but we yeah. don't know. It depends why, right? Like, if we get the mm-hmm. motivations and we find out that... Because, right, we know that the Order had her mother killed, that that wasn't Morgana. Um, we don't know yet if Ruth knows that or not. And that's something that's probably revealed in book two. But you could totally run into a situation where Ruth finds out that the Order murdered her mother and her sense of loyalty sits with her family and like the people that loved her and cared for her and so turns her against the order that she idolized her entire time growing up then you have the case of potentially an evil hufflepuff which is always so fun i would love to see that i would love love evil hufflepuffs it's the best (laughs) (laughs) but no i completely she's so warm and loving and caring and just open um that i completely agree hufflepuff's the perfect fit for her at least based on everything we know in book one Mm -hmm. yeah okay and now drum roll (laughs) our main character our protagonist evelyn i know where i'm sorting her but where would you you gotta go first this is your book you have to start okay well even though i think she's as dumb as a bag of bricks um (laughs) i think she's a ravenclaw I think that you said that a while ago, too, so I'm glad that I call hasn't her, changed. I call her my little Ravenclaw baby because she's just, sometimes she's really, really dense, and, like, the knowledge of what she actually knows hasn't sunk in fully for her to, like, fully appreciate everything and, like, really sit with everything mm. she's learned and come to a logical conclusion. But on the other hand, like, she is just constantly seeking out information, right? Like, she's going to the library and, like, looking up these random books to try to figure out more about, like, Jared's family. And we'll go through, like, the Nimue book from um, uh, Ruth and try to figure out things about her own past and try to figure out how everything connects. And she did that whole, like, Nancy Drew thing with the bookshelves in the <laughs> library. And she's trying to put together all of the clues and... Not really to, like, accomplish a goal other than just to know the information. Um, Because she just wants to be aware of every possible thing so that she can have all the information to make decisions and know whether or not she could actually hurt Jared or if that's just a farce. And 
while that's like a little bit of a external motivation for her to figure all this stuff out i think for the most part she really just wants to know like she just wants to know what's going on and like be in the loop on all of the information and just seeks out knowledge constantly even if she may be a little bit loopy sometimes and just kind of got that little bit of chaotic energy like i don't see that any different from like luna love good right where she's a little bit out there sometimes and not really on the same page as everyone else but really is just like interested in learning for the sake of learning itself i agree i think that she belongs in rivka i'm thinking also back to the very beginning of the book before all of this even got started like it's made clear that she's like very knowledge hungry like she gets into a really good school she is very excited about it. Like, she knew that she wanted to do this, like, really good program. She picks a fairly hard program, too. It's not, like, like a throw. It's not that any Oxford program is, like, a throwaway program. But, like, you could make arguments for a couple. <laughs> like, this is a hard program. Um, and she's completely up for the task. Like, she wants it. And she's excited to be getting there and to, like, do all of this, like, learning. And she right. wants to join a study group. Like, it's clear that she has that thirst for knowledge um so i agree i do agree okay so final tally we have two hufflepuffs sorry hufflepuff i thought there would be more i'm kind of surprised (laughs) um yeah i know me too i think we had a lot of characters that were cuspy and we didn't want to just like put them into hufflepuff because they were nice you know it's like yeah once you do that full because cons- that's the hard part with hufflepuff is they may have other characteristics that shine through slightly more and hufflepuff mm-hmm. is the house that kind of just took all the rest so yeah you really can't identify anything with them for the other three houses like hufflepuff <gasps> makes sense yeah <laughs> sorry any hufflepuff sorry we well, love i hufflepuffs. love hufflepuff hufflepuffs are the best exactly hufflepuffs well and slytherins are the best mm-hmm. ravenclaws are a little weird so don't mind us <laughs> um okay so we have uh, two hufflepuffs it looks like three gryffindors three ravenclaws and three slytherins oh wow that was really so it's pretty even. even yeah i'm impressed okay good job us we're great at sorting <laughs> Which means the sorting hat should hire us because we get that even distribution, you know, 25% each for the most part. A lot of my U.S. services sorting hat, if you need anyone, I will help you, you know, refurbish your look and everything. <laughs> you know? Perfect. Okay. Um, so our next segment for the wrap up um, is I went back and did a tally <laughs> Of oh, all God. of the MVPs. I'm that so we excited for this. For every, um, yeah, that we announced for every single episode. Um, so I wanted to know first who you think our top MVP across both of us was. Um, across both of us. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I think it has to be. Sally? I don't know. I feel like it's going to be something like really random like that. Am I wrong? You are wrong. Oh my god, who was it? Colin. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I was close. (laughs) 
because you picked Colin uh, three times. Okay. We had eight episodes. We had eight episodes, and you picked Colin for three of them as your MVP. Oh, my God. And I picked Colin for one. And then (laughs) I tilted the scale. Um, the scale. You also technically picked Sally for three, and I picked Sally for one. So we could almost say they were a power couple and tied. But you had one episode where you split it between Sally and Ruth, and that was the only episode that Ruth had. So I gave it to Ruth. Okay, that that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then our least referenced MVPs. Um, we had. Chapters 17 through 18, uh, you picked Jesse and I picked Enid. We did a mother-daughter power couple, uh, but they were never again selected, which makes sense. Um, and then I also picked for one chapter the drunk Manchester United guy uh, yeah. in the bar. I wanted to pick him. He was so funny. He's the book MVP. Let's be honest here. He's the accurate. real MVP. Exactly. Accurate. I even remember him. I'll remember him like 20 years from now. <laughs> uh, yep, pretty much. Um, and then I picked Jared twice. You never picked Jared. Oh, sorry, Jared. <laughs> it's okay. We each picked Evelyn once. Um, and then I also picked Zara once at the very beginning because I thought she was a good big sister. <laughs> Hmm. So, uh, not a lot of diversity in our selection. Nope. <laughs> oh. We'll try to do better in the next book, I guess. We'll see what happens. Did I ever... Wait, I'm curious. Do you remember? Did I ever choose Felix? You didn't. Oh my god, thank god. Okay. <laughs> no. For for a chap, for the first episode, for chapter three, you were like, he seems like a cool dude. Like, a little weird, but he seems harmless and fine. I'm just sitting there, like, writhing over the fact that you're saying that. Little did I know. Oh, so bad. He's so, so bad. My goodness. Okay. The next segment is, Julia, I want you to predict what you think happens in the second book, The Revealed. Okay, I have been thinking about this because it's going to be so hard. I, like, don't understand how she's going to be able to put this across two more books. Because for me, the end game is, like, they figure out Morgana's plans, like, maybe, like, Jared dies and he gets resurrected and, like, something crazy like that. I don't know. And then, like, what? They're going to defeat Morgana and that's it? And I guess maybe the third book? would be about trying to go back to normalcy like this is what i'm struggling with where i just don't know where the story continues after morgana or is morgana get put up such a fight that it just drags on forever maybe it'll be like in stages like okay so jared and evelyn get whatever happened in the at the end of the book sorted and like jared comes back and then morgana gets away and then the third book is all i know i'm oh, <laughs> i'm getting ahead to the third book but like i'm really perplexed here um so maybe in the third book it's all about defeating morgana but then how is the second book going to be all about trying to fix jared's problem <laughs> like what is going to happen like who's i'm expecting someone to die right so who's the question is who's going to die I still think Jared is going to have to die. 
and then be resurrected. I'm like sold on this. And then maybe Karen is gonna have to sacrifice herself, like this whole like character redemption arc. And she's like, oh, sorry, Evelyn, I got this wrong all along, and like sacrifices herself for them. And maybe that's how Jared gets resurrected. And then maybe Ruth comes along and helps them out as like this new like figure who leads them into battle because she knows everything that's going on because it's like history repeating itself. Uh, yeah, that, that's my prediction. That was very not cohesive <laughs> prediction, no. but okay. I just don't understand how it's going to last two more books. I think that's my problem. Okay, so I guess, can I take this into chunks first? Yeah. So, like, don't yeah. worry about the third book. It doesn't <laughs> exist yet, so you don't need to worry about what's in I it. I am worried. Maybe it doesn't exist because she doesn't know how it's going to continue. If I remember correctly, honestly, the book could have ended at the second book and, like, it was okay. fine. Yeah. Um, It would have been fine. So... I may be misremembering. Okay, so, like, step at a time. Where is the second book going to be based, location-wise? Oh, my God, are they going to Avalon? (laughs) Maybe. I just want your predictions. Like, do you think it's all going to be in Oxford? Do you think they're going to go to another part of England? Do you think they're going to travel to Avalon? Like, what do you think? Maybe they're going to Wales. (laughs) To visit the tomb of Murden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'll go back to the site where everyone died, the uh, uh, Jared's family died. I don't know. Ooh. I have no idea. Maybe they go to the <laughs> cave where Merlin was killed. <gasps> I want to know where, how they get to Avalon. That's what I want to know. Like, do they get to Avalon in the second book? Am I supposed to spoil the book? No, don't you? spoil it for me. <laughs> Don't ask spoilery questions then. But I feel like that's where Ruth has to come in. Like she has to know about this this stuff and kind of help them like piece the clues together because she's all knowing. Like maybe she and Karen. Oh my god, I'm gonna go on my tangents again. Maybe yeah. she and Karen are gonna butt heads about how much they both know, and then Enid will come out of nowhere and be like, "I know more than both of you," and just show them all down. Show them all down. Is that a saying? Sure. Um, okay. Interesting prediction. And what do you think will happen with Sally and Colin? <laughs> I feel like Sally at some point is going to have to know. Like, I, it seems stupid to set them up as a couple and then just have them break up and be like, that's it for Sal- Sally's storyline. Sorry. Right. Like, that just seems like a useless plot device. Yeah. Um, like, Sally at some point is going to have to be brought in and then, I don't know, become this, like, Guinevere figure, almost, mm-hmm. to call in, and maybe go into battle with them, because she's so smart and can help them out. She can be the brains to Colin's might. I was going to say, he's Braun. also actually very go. smart when it comes to war strategy, but sure. But, but she might be, you know, more strategic. I mean, I don't know. Okay. Sure. That's literally the whole point of his magic. <laughs> the descendant of King Arthur. But that's fine. That's that's fair. Um, okay, what about Felix? Do you think Felix is gonna come back in the second book? No, he's gonna be out, right? Like, oh <gasps> what if Morgana brings him back as like to haunt Evelyn? Oh my god, that would be horrible. But like I would read that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
I like kind of hope he's done. Like I kind of like maybe he'll come back in the third book and like have this like redemption arc or something. I like don't want him to have a redemption arc. I don't like, think he has a something. redemption arc. No, I don't think he would have. I think that would be. That'd know. be a bad idea. It would. Yeah, it would not work well with me. Um, but I don't know. I would not be pissed if his storyline ended. I mean, I think it would kind of be a waste to have him be this, like, plot device for the first book, but I would not be mad if he doesn't return. That's fair. Um, and my last question about your predictions, do you think Evelyn's willing to work with the Order to get Jared back, or do you think she's going to try to do Oh, no. She's 100% going to go off on her own. I feel like she doesn't trust the Order. Like, she doesn't trust Karen. I mean, maybe she would trust Edith to help her, but, like... Enid's still part of the order, which Karen is a part of, so I feel like she doesn't trust them enough to, like, do what needs to be done. And, like, I think it, she went off on her own already. Like, that's the whole reason they ended up in this problem. Like, I feel like she's gonna just go and do the same mistake. Like, that's who she is. <laughs> Such a dumb Ravenclaw. Yeah. God. Um, do you think that she'll try to work with Colin, or do you think that she'll leave him behind, too? Oh, that's a good question. I would like to see her work with Colin, but I feel like she's not, I still feel like she's just not gonna want to, like, take people's advice. Like, she's just gonna want to do what she feels works is best, you know? I don't disagree, but I think because Colin was clearly always on her side from the beginning, that, that she might be willing mm. to work with him. Also, she's an idiot, but not a total idiot. So she might mm, know yeah. that it's, like, probably good to have someone else that can help her fight mm-hmm. by her side. Mm-hmm. Um, this is true. Maybe that's where Sally comes in. Maybe. Because it's, like, they did also overpower her in the woods and almost rape her in the woods. So, like... Yeah. She might have learned from that experience a little bit. <laughs> she needs help. But she needs... Use your friends. Seriously. Paul from Hufflepuff, come on. And, like, maybe thinking about that, too, like, Sally is the tether to what her life is, like, it was normally. Like, she mm-hmm. needs something to keep her Normalcy, grounded. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's totally true. Okay, I like these predictions. We'll see when we eventually my chaotic them. predictions. They're very chaotic, <laughs> but it's fine. We'll um, we'll at least have them recorded here so that when I edit and when we do our our look back episode, um, to read the revealed and kind of like discuss it high level, uh, we'll have all of your predictions and I can map out how wrong you were or how right you were. <laughs> I feel like they're gonna be wrong. I feel like my predictions, even in just this book, are always so off. <laughs> yeah, your predictions at the beginning of the book were really bad. They were terrible. But it's okay. Oh. It's fine. Okay, so next and last on the agenda for this wrap-up episode for The Concealed, we're gonna play a little game, Julia. Okay. It's gonna be a quick game. I'm ready. Hopefully. Okay. So, this game is going to be called Guess Who, and it is a Guess Who version of Arthurian mythology. So, I'm going to give you a couple of facts. Some of them are more interesting facts than others for three characters in Arthurian mythology. Now, they may not all have been in this book. 
but they were all in BBC Merlin, so I think they're okay. all fair game. <laughs> okay. Uh, you may not get all of them, um, but I hope you get at least one. I tried to get some interesting facts, but some of these people don't really have any interesting things about them. Um, and I tried to not get, like, obvious characters, so it would be, like, a more fun guessing game. Um, oh, God. I'm so I'm sorry in advance. Most of these facts are based off of Wikipedia details of the original, like, Arthurian legends and, like, the epic Welsh poems. Um, so it's, like, OG stuff. It wouldn't necessarily tie to BBC Merlin. It might. But, but they're knows? in the show. Okay. They're in the show. At least their names are. <laughs> okay. So you ready for number one? Okay. Okay. So this character, this female character, is Arthur's sister and also Morgana's sister. Oh my god. She's the wife of King Lot and the mother of Mordred. Oh my god, who's the mother of Mordred? Is Mordred's mother in the in BBC Merlin? I feel like he comes to them as an orphan. Yeah, he's like a druid orphan in BBC Merlin. But this is in the OG myths. She's depicted as the mother of Mordred. Oh. But I do think that as Arthur's sister, like, that's accurate to BBC Merlin. Or Morgana's sister. I don't remember which one. Maybe both. Who knows? Well, they were, were, were they half siblings? I don't remember. I don't remember. Huh. Oh, no. I don't know if I know this. I don't think I know this. I'm stumped. It's more Gauss. Oh, I would not have gotten that. Wow. She's the girl with the long, curly, <sighs> blonde hair and, like, the thick black eyeliner in BBC Merlin. That's how I remember her character. I'll send Time you a picture. to do a rewatch. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Um, I'm pretty sure she's Morgana's sister because she comes to Morgana and is like, sister, help me, blah, blah, blah. And Morgana's, like, conflicted about it. And I think she's the one that, like, starts her on the dark path. Mm, okay. If I remember correctly. But I may not. So feel free to email in and correct me. Because <laughs> it's been so long since I've watched that show. Okay. Are you ready for the next one? Yes. Uh, this character is a knight of the round table. Mm-hmm. They are part of a great prophecy regarding the fate of Camelot, and they are sometimes depicted as the brother of Gawain. Oh, the brother of Gawain? It's not Lancelot? Galahad? Nope. I'm going I'm to start shooting all Knights of the Round Table names. <laughs> um, Mordred? Yes. It is Mordred? It's Mordred. He's depicted? Oh, wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Sometimes. Not always. But in some of the epic poems, he's depicted as the brother of Gawain. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. The okay. more you know. So you just gotta know, there's only really one knight who's part of a great prophecy. Yeah. I was like, but... <laughs> well, but, like, Lancelot has some prophecies, and Galahad also, but, like, it's not... Like a big thing, right? So not the fate of a prophecy. The co- it's like kingdom. a plot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they have stories associated. With it. Oh no! 
Okay, are you ready for character number mm-hmm. three? This is the last one. It was a very quick game because I didn't want to bore people, but okay. This character is considered a character with a dualistic nature um, in literature, which means they have the potential for both good and evil. Uh, the etymology of their name is derived from an older Welsh world word, sorry, an older <laughs> Welsh word meaning seaborn. And in the Vita Merlini, which is one of the OG texts depicting Merlin, uh, the character is depicted as a mathematician and astronomer who teaches these skills to others. A mathematician and astronomer? In the Vita Merlini, like only in that particular text. And okay, say, say, so their their name is related to what again? Uh, the the etymology of their name is mm-hmm. derived from an older Welsh word meaning seaborn, and the character Person? is has a duality in nature, meaning that they have the potential for both good and evil. And they exhibit both of those in the original text. Is it Percival? No. Does Percival do bad things? Oh. No, but the, I was like, I don't know anyone whose name has an etymology related to that. Um, How well do you know ancient Welsh etymology? I don't. That's the problem. Is it Uther? <laughs> Does he have the potential He's, for good? I mean... I, you could argue that he has the potential for good. His his reason for doing certain things are ground in good, but does he do it right? No. <laughs> um, well, oh my goodness, I don't think I know. Don't also don't assume that it's a man. Oh, okay. Is it Nimue? <laughs> That is a fair guess that I didn't even think about. <laughs> no. You wouldn't have made it so obvious. Yeah, I don't I don't think I know. Unless it's Guinevere. No. Okay. I Guinevere was so, not a mathematician no. or an astronomer. Well that's why I'm like, I have no idea. Tell me. Morgan Le Fay. Are you kidding me? I am not. Wow. Okay, I would not that I asked. Interesting. I feel like I need to like look up some more versions of these. these yeah, I was stories. like reading through Wikipedia and I was like, oh, I know absolutely nothing about Arthurian mythology. No. I was hoping you might know slightly more since I know you and your dad like talk about this. Yeah, but stuff. he likes he likes the like more grounded versions of the Arthurian legends, not the like fantastical stuff so it's more like the adventures that like they probably did go on yeah Mm -hmm. um so interesting okay Mm. well one out of three good job thank you (laughs) that was terrible (laughs) i made them very hard so you were of course more than yeah but i learned something that was interesting um you're more than welcome to torture me when we do the wrap up for our next book (laughs) thank you that, that might be harder. I can't pull Arthurian legend stuff, but I will find something. No, but, but I mean, we're, the next book we're reading is about fairies and stuff, so you can pull, pull like, Irish fairy and fae mythology. Oh, I will, I will 100% do that. 
<laughs> and I'll just brush up on all of my spirits podcast episodes. <laughs> Shout out to spirits. You oh, guys, this I'll... podcast is great. <laughs> maybe I'll listen to some and get some inspo from them. There you go. There you go. They have like whole episodes dedicated to the Fae. It's super interesting. Um, but okay. I mean, that's pretty much it. This is the end of the concealed. So we've oh my God. <sighs> finished our first book, which is really exciting and scary and crazy all at the same time. Um, but I'm excited to start the next book, which we're literally recording our intro episode right after this. <laughs> I'm I've been a little bit busy. <laughs> um and yeah i'm excited to finally get to start like reading a new book again and i bought all these books in print so i'm really excited to have a tangible book to read i'm excited i'm excited like so this yeah we'll talk about it we'll talk about it but i'm excited yay (laughs) uh all right well thanks for joining everyone um as always you. you can follow us on social media if we remember to post on there. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's debatable. We're not very good at social media, but we try. Um, but you can also reach us there. So if you want to like send us a message or something on social media, you're more than welcome to. But you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod. On Twitter at UnAngstPod. And you can also send us, I know, I hate that name. Um, And you can also, if you want to talk about the upcoming book that we're going to start reading and send us your thoughts, uh, both spoiler and spoiler free, I'll make sure Julia is the only one reading the spoiler filled ones. So just tag spoiler (laughs) in the subject line, please. Um, If you want Julia to see something. And we... uh, would love to hear from you well so i will commit as i always say to giving you personalized book recommendations if you want them um just email in uh be careful (laughs) it's a dangerous territory (laughs) i promise i won't throw seven books at your face like i normally do for julia (laughs) mainly because we're in a virtual environment and i can't Um, but yeah so follow us on the socials and uh we look forward to hearing from you guys thanks so much for listening talk to you later bye